Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to the he sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins are lawless acts. I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Please leave the Bibles open there at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we we pray that as we approach your word now, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that you would encourage our hearts and minds that we might rest in what you have done through Christ Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start this morning's message with a little bit of a survey. So no falling asleep there in the chairs this morning. Um, now, my question is, Hands up, if you're someone who takes your shoes off when you go into your own home. But be brave, you can, there's no judgment here, it's all right. Okay, hands down. Now, the opposite, hands up if you're someone, so everybody's hand should be up at some point, if you're someone that's quite happy to wear your shoes into your own home. Okay, good job. That's very interesting. Okay, well, when I go into somebody's house, when I go and visit them, it's my habit to always take my shoes off, even if they don't mind me wearing my shoes into their home. I just, I can't help it. 
Um, even if they're comfortable with it, it just doesn't feel right to me. And uh, it just kind of feels a bit wrong. But what's really interesting as I reflected on this tendency for me to take my shoes off when I go into someone's house is that I don't feel uncomfortable or even a bit strange walking into the church with my shoes on. Now, it's an interesting thing because it, it doesn't feel strange or disrespectful to walk in here, even though we've got the same kind of carpeted floors that you'd have in your home. But we do. Now, most of you would know that just before Christmas, we pulled all of the chairs and everything out of the church and had the carpets professionally cleaned. The carpets were looking pretty dirty, to be honest. The, uh, they, they had a number of stains on them and uh, we couldn't get them out. I'm guessing that sometime somebody would walked something in on their shoes or maybe spilled something, but they really needed a clean. And now that the carpet cleaners have come and done their job, they did an amazing job, it looks so good. Uh, it has been a long time since the carpets have looked that clean. They are, they are clean, aren't they? They're so clean, in fact, that when I came in to help move all the chairs back in, I took my shoes off. And even though the carpets are still clean and fresh, they aren't as clean as before. Because now we've had a few different services, haven't we? We've had lots of people come in and go out and walk their shoes all over the carpet. Sure, there's no stains. I really hope there's no stains yet. Uh, and it looks really good. But sooner or later, somebody will walk something in on their shoes or spill something or, or something will happen and the carpets will need to be cleaned all over again. Now, no judgment either way. My second question. This one's more telling. Um, who here would be willing to pick up and eat a hard, not a sticky lolly, a hard lolly that had fallen on your kitchen floor? Who's brave enough to put their hands up? <laughs> oh, look at all these people. Okay, can you put your hands down? Um, there's forgiveness in Christ. It's okay. No, um, I was thinking about this. There's, there's two ways to look at that answer. It could be an indictment of how clean you keep your kitchen floors, or it could be you just don't care about germs. And we know we try and keep all of our floor coverings clean in our homes and, and in the church. And we know how we can make them look really clean. But there is clean and then there is clean, isn't there? We know that the carpet can look clean and fresh, but most of us, I'm assuming, or at least some of us anyway, uh, we'll find out later, um, wouldn't want to eat something that had fallen on the floor. Because we know that something can look clean but not be perfectly clean. There's still dirt and germs that have been walked into the carpet, even though it looks completely clean. And so it wouldn't be a good idea to eat something that had fallen on the floor. Because there is clean, and then there is perfectly clean. And in a similar way, those who trust in Jesus can live good, clean lives. We can have a strong sense of morality. We can go to church each week. We can give our tithe or, or maybe even more. 
And we can avoid all sorts of outward sins, at least in a way that anyone else might notice. We can look and act godly in lots of ways in our lives and yet still be struggling with hidden sins that no one knows anything about. Because there's actually no such thing as a follower of Jesus who has it all together. There's no such thing as a Christian who's made it or who no longer sins. That doesn't stop us from feeling like we're failures. That doesn't stop us from feeling like we should be cleaner than we are. And sometimes it can make us even second-guess our own salvation. But in today's passage, we are being reminded of the good news that even though we cannot make ourselves clean enough, we cannot make ourselves clean enough for God. Jesus has made those who trust in him perfectly clean, perfectly sinless. Now, we know that none of our lives are free from sin completely. We know this because God's word convicts us and his spirit that none of us have it all together. But as we look at these verses, Lord willing, we'll be comforted and encouraged by the good news that even though we cannot live up to God's standards of clean, not in our own strength anyway, Jesus has made all those who trust in him perfectly clean, perfectly sinless in his eyes. So in keeping with all of the the Hebrews messages uh, leading up to Christmas, today's message has two points as well. And the first point is that the shadow reminds us that we cannot make ourselves clean. The shadow reminds us that we cannot make ourselves clean. Now, what's this shadow that I'm talking about? Well, if you have a look in verse 1, it says these words. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So what's a shadow? The shadow is nothing more than the absence of light as an object that gets between the light source and wherever the shadow is being cast. A shadow isn't an object. It's something that just reflects some of the object, some character traits of the object. It can give us an indication of lots of things about that object, but it isn't the object itself. And actually, its ability to reveal everything about that object is quite limited. And in the same way, we can learn lots from God's law about his righteousness, his justice, his holiness. But that knowledge is limited because the law was only ever meant to be a shadow of the good things that have now come in Jesus. Year after year, the priests in the temple of the Lord would make sacrifices for the people in order to cleanse their sins. They would slaughter bulls and goats and make grain offerings and other types of offerings in order to try and take away their sins. But no matter how diligent they were, no matter how hard they tried, it wasn't long before they fell short of God's standard of clean all over again. 
and had to go back to the temple, had to go back to those priests and sacrifice all over again. It's a bit like doing the dishes or doing the washing. I feel like I almost have to add in so I'm told after I say those ones. Um, or trying to keep your floor coverings clean. No matter how diligently you apply yourself to the task, it won't be long before you find yourself having to do the job all over again. Because the law was only ever meant to be a shadow of that shows us the true depth of our sin problem. Through God's law, we get a, a glimpse of his holiness, of his justice, and we get a pretty strong glimpse of how unable we are to measure up. As hard as we might try to live the way God would want us to live, we, we constantly fall short of God's standard of clean. And the law reminds us just how unclean we are. Every time we have an impure thought or, or a selfish one, every time we fail to put him before everything else in our lives, every time we give in to the temptation to sin, we fall short. And giving us more and more rules to try and follow, well, that won't help one bit because none of us are even able to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we're honest with ourselves, we'd all have to admit that there are times when the priority, God isn't the priority, when other things in our lives feel more urgent or more important at that time. We would all have to admit that there are things in our lives that sometimes distract us from the hope we have in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we'd have to also admit that we are completely unable to keep ourselves clean enough for God's perfect standard. Sure, we might be able to clean ourselves off, dust ourselves off every now and again and convince everybody else we've got it all together. The shadow of God's law reminds us that there is our standard of clean and then there is God's. Now, the second point for this morning is that the reality teaches us that those with faith in Jesus have been made perfectly clean. The reality teaches us that those with faith in Jesus have been made perfectly clean. Have a look in your Bibles there at verse 4. Verse 4, it says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. No number of sacrifices in the temple of the Lord is going to cleanse anybody from their sins. Which means that even if someone were able to stop sinning right there and then, even if they were able to be perfect from that point on, God would still have to hold them accountable for all of the sins that they had done in the past. When God sent Jesus into the world that first Christmas, God sent the reality that the shadow had been pointing us to. As verse 11 says, 
Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers them the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. The Jews were working incredibly hard to try and please God. They were doing their absolute best to try and fulfill all of his commandments. But it wasn't good enough. It didn't matter how hard they worked. It didn't matter how hard they tried to please, to try to keep God's law. It wasn't able to cleanse anyone of their sins. Because the law was only ever meant to be a shadow that points us to Christ. Now, unlike the priests in the temple of the Lord back then, Jesus sacrificed himself only once for all those who trust in him. And in doing so, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy through him. When the Father looks at those who have faith in Christ Jesus, he chooses, he chooses not to remember the wrongs that we have done. When he looks at those who trust in Jesus, he only sees the perfect righteousness of Christ the perfect sinlessness of Christ, the only one who has kept all of God's law on our behalf. And so even though we aren't perfect in this life, even though we fall short of God's glory all the time, even though we haven't yet been glorified and the Holy Spirit still has a lot of work to do in each of us, If we have faith in Jesus, God declares we have been made perfect through Jesus' sacrifice in our place. Our slate has been wiped absolutely, perfectly clean by the blood of Christ. The record of our guilt and sin, past, present and future, has been wiped away. And as verse 18 reminds us, where there has been, where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. And this is exactly what Jesus said as he was dying on the cross. He said, it is finished. So if you have faith in the completed work of Christ, if you have faith in what Jesus has done for you. When God looks at you, he doesn't see all of the times that you've made mistakes, all of those times when you've tried to live for him but failed. What he sees is the perfect holiness, the perfect righteousness of Christ in your place. And so what that means is that if your faith is in Jesus, you are no less saved when you are right in the middle of getting cranky with someone or giving in to sin, as you are if you are right in the middle of your quiet time praying to the Lord, because it's not about anything we do. Because we aren't saved by what we will do or won't do or what we have done or might do. Because if that was where our hope is, it wouldn't be hope at all. 
because we would only mess up and find ourselves dirty all over again. Because Christ lived the perfectly sinless life on our behalf. That is where our hope is. And his sacrifice in our place, once for all those who trust in him. That is where our confidence is. That is where our certainty and assurance lies. Even though we have fallen short of his standards of claim, we can enter his presence, even if our shoes are on. Because Jesus, our Saviour, has cleansed us from the guilt of our sins. And God, our Father, chooses that he will never remember them anymore. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would bless us with a, a wonderful sense of confidence in what Christ has done for us. We pray that we would find our hope not in anything we have done, not in how we live or try to live, but in who your son is and what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, we pray that you would help us to ground our hope in the rock, in Christ Jesus, so that out of what you have done for us, our, our lives might be filled with joy and gratitude, that you might enable us to live for you. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.